Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. It's the California Report magazine. I'm Sasha Coca. Today on our show, we're going to meet a man named Mauricio Hernandez. He grew up in Mexico City, but he crossed the border to California as a teenager. And he started sweeping the floor of a body shop in L.A. And then something really unexpected happened. Something that led to moments of surprising fame. Damn right. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to bring you a documentary about Mauricio's story in two parts here on our show. One episode this week and the other next. Reporter Levi Bridges, who's covered stories about the border for the California Report, takes it from here. You do not forget a guy like Mauricio Hernandez. He's got a long, pointy beard, always wearing these dark sunglasses and long dreadlocks that hang practically down to his waist. The first time I met Mauricio, he was standing in a parking lot just outside Mexico City, speaking at some kind of promotional event. I thought I'd seen him somewhere before, maybe on TV, back in the US. So you were undocumented in the US? Yeah, for 20 years. Later that afternoon, Mauricio and I ate some street tacos. And no joke, multiple kids stopped to ask Mauricio for his autograph. As we ate, Mauricio told me about a dream he had growing up. Mauricio's had lots of dreams over the years. And somehow, many of them have actually come true. Uh, yeah, my, my first dream was to be on television. That was my first dream. Be famous some way, somehow. Mauricio says that when he watched TV as a kid, he'd imagined himself being one of the actors, like on this one show that used to be on Mexican TV. That was called Chiquilladas. It was this TV show in Mexico that was all about kids. So I wanted to be on that show. When Mauricio got a little older, his childhood dream of being on television went on the back burner. He worked at a mechanic shop in high school to make extra money. Mauricio really liked working on cars, almost as much as he liked the idea of being on TV. He wanted to buy his own car, but he never had enough money. And then eventually, Mauricio started noticing that lots of his friends were going to the US to work. They were coming back with cool stuff. Cars, motorcycles, clothes, tennis shoes, you know, I was like, wow, man, I want to be there. Mauricio had an older brother who was already living in L.A. 
When Mauricio was 16, his brother came back to Mexico to take him to California. Mauricio's home life wasn't great. His mom would yell a lot. Mauricio says she sometimes got physical with him. You know, as a kid, you never forget the words, the objects where she used to hit you, you know? Was that part of the reason why you guys left home so young? Yeah, I've seen a lot of problems in my family, especially when my, my dad, my dad is an alcoholic. It was that year, 1991, that Mauricio and his brother first tried to cross the border into California. They wanted to go to Los Angeles. Back then, it didn't have a wall. You could have just crossed so easy. The guys got caught by Border Patrol twice. The second time, they spent a couple hours in jail and were deported back to Tijuana. Mauricio hated that feeling of being locked up, like a prisoner. I told my brother, if this time we don't pass, I'm going back. Mauricio did cross again, and this time he made it on a Greyhound. The bus eventually got stopped at an immigration checkpoint, and an officer came on board. He's kind of like walking towards me, and then um, I close my eyes and I started snoring. The agent bought it. Mauricio looked too at ease to be undocumented. He made it all the way to L.A. The Greyhound, the station in downtown L.A. is right about Skid Row. And you get out of the bus and you start seeing all these homeless people, drug addict people. Dude, I wanted to like, I want to come back. Was that not at all what you were expecting? Yeah, I was thinking about seeing Disneyland right across the street. And that wasn't the only thing that surprised him. When, when I arrived to L.A., the cars were like really catching my eyes. In California, Mauricio saw Pontiac Fiero. It's this little sports car with a spoiler on the back that he was totally into. There was kind of a car renaissance going on in L.A. at the time. This was the early 90s, back when rappers like Dr. Dre started putting lowriders in their music videos. And the California street culture of tricking out cars went mainstream. The first time I seen a lowrider, I really went crazy. I was like, wow. And I remember at that time, it was very popular, the pickup trucks, when they used to put hydraulics on the bed, and they used to make them dance and get up and spin around, jumping. And I was like, how do they do that, you know? My cousins were kind of like gangster uh, culture. Mauricio, by contrast, was pretty straight-laced. You know, tight pants, tennis shoes, tight shirt. My cousin took me to a first lowrider show. They dressed me up as a cholo because they were like, you're not gonna go to a lowrider show dressing like you dress. They gave me some overalls, like huge overalls, some Nike Cortez, flannel, and I had long hair. So they told me, well, get your hair in a ponytail. I didn't feel good because that, was the, that wasn't the way that I, that I dressed up. But it was fun because I get the chance to see all these cars. That's the first time I heard um, Keith Frost. Some of you don't know what's happening in Pasas, not for you anyway, because this is for the Pasa. And all these popular artists from the Chicano culture, and it was fun. When Mauricio got to know his cousins in LA, he got to meet this whole new part of his family, but he didn't really always feel welcome in California. We're getting word this evening of some rock throwing by youths in South Central Los Angeles. The violence erupted after the acquittal of four white policemen in the beating trial of black motorist Rodney King. Mauricio was still settling into L.A. when the city revolted in the L.A. riots of 1992. The National Guard finally sweeps in. 
One night during the riots, Mauricio and his cousins were walking past the convenience store. It was kind of like a 7-Eleven. The lights were out, the, the windows were all broken. And we're like, hey, well, let's go get some more beers. You know, they're free. The guys went into the store and picked up a couple 12-packs. But before they had time to walk out, the cops showed up. You could hear the tires, and you see the lights that were already pointing inside the store, and you could hear the officers. At that time, I didn't know any English, but I kind of, like, understand. I remember they were saying, put your hands up, come, come, come out with the hands up. And I just remember the officer, he pulled me out of the store, threw me on the floor, and then I remember maybe four or five officers started kicking me. They started kicking me like a soccer ball. The cops let them go that night. Mauricio never got a court summons in the mail, so he thought that was the end of it. The guys thought about pressing charges themselves against the cops who beat them up, but they were too afraid to take legal action. Partly, of course, because Mauricio was undocumented. Mauricio says the longer he stayed in the U.S., the more his immigration status started to bother him. The fact that he couldn't get a driver's license the possibility that he might get arrested and deported someday, treated like a criminal, was always in the back of his mind. It was always something that kind of like put you down. Mauricio's girlfriend, a young Mexican immigrant named Claudia, was also undocumented. I started a family at, at a young age. You know, I had a kid when I was 18. And well, you know how it is having a kid. It's not easy. Mauricio and Claudia ended up having three sons. Mauricio was the breadwinner, and he found a job doing something he loved. I wanted to work on cars professionally. He had to start at the bottom, as a janitor at this body shop in Westchester, near LAX. I was cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning up the shop, sweeping the shop. But Mauricio stuck around, learning more and more skills. Shampoo the car, you know, wax the car, clean interiors. And then I learned how to color sand and buff the cars, body work. And then I end up doing paint. Mauricio started picking up side gigs. Another one of his cousins was working for a body shop called West Coast Customs. One day he asked Mauricio to help him do the body work on a vehicle that looked like a small delivery van. It used to call the Daihatsu. The Daihatsu was a complete wreck. West Coast Customs needed all the bodywork on the van completely redone and repainted quick. We do it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And as they worked, Mauricio noticed something. We started seeing cameras. People were coming out and filming them in the shop. Mauricio had no idea what was going on. They didn't tell me anything. At first it was like maybe a documentary, I don't know, but it was a very professional camera. And even though he still dreamed of being on TV, he didn't ask what was up. I was like, well, we're here to do the, the job, you know? But our thing was the money, never mind the cameras, you know? But then one morning, they were pulling masking tape off the Daihatsu to finish the paint job. And I remember that day we went early and I see Exhibit walking to the shop. Exhibit. The rapper. Exhibit just showing up really took Mauricio off guard. And I'm like, whoa, you know, damn. So, of course, I told him, hey, can you sign me an autograph? And he was a really cool guy. I've always had a love affair with cars big ones, fast ones, especially expensive ones. Because I'm your boy X to the Z, Exhibit. After Mauricio met Exhibit, got a picture with him. 
He and his cousin put the last coat of paint on the Daihatsu. They paid us and they told us that they wanted us to be there on Wednesday at 5 p.m. And my cousin and me were like, for what? Oh, because we're recording the show with all the people that work on the car. They got to be at the TV show. They didn't tell Mauricio anything else. Just come back on Wednesday to film something for a TV show. But Mauricio was pumped. I was like, dude, I'm going to be on a TV show, which I wanted from since I was young, you know? Next week, Mauricio comes back to West Coast Customs, and there are cameras everywhere. All right, guys, you guys right here, you guys right here. And then they say action, and you see Xavier coming in with the guy, the owner of the tribes. Yeah, check out the inside, huh? <laughs> oh, shit. I can Man. tell you what, I'm impressed already. <laughs> it was a pilot. It was just a pilot. The pilot of Pimp My Ride. So you want to be a player? But your wheels ain't fly. You gotta hit us up to get a pimped out ride. Pimp My Ride aired on MTV in the early 2000s. It was kind of one of the first reality TV shows. The basic premise was every week the host, Exhibit, find some poor girl or guy driving a real clunker. And then they pimp that car out. Hi, I'm Wyatt, I'm 18 years old, and this baby is my ride. There are no shortage of things wrong with the car. Two words for you here, duct tape. Top speed, 60 miles an hour. Today's your lucky day, Wyatt. About to pimp your ride. Exhibit would bring the cars over to Ryan Freeling House, the owner of West Coast Customs. Hi, welcome to West Coast Customs. I'm Ryan, and this is my shop. All right, check this out, Ryan, man. I've never okay. seen one of these before in my Yo, life. Yo, man, neither have I. I think there's like two in the U.S. I think it more looks like a golf cart. They never thought it was going to hit. But it hit, it hit big. It hit really big. And I remember they called us, like, after the TV show aired, they called us, like, right away. West Coast Customs eventually hired Mauricio full-time. He did the bodywork on a lot of the cars that appeared on Pimp My Ride. I feel so proud of myself to be on the first TV show of cars in MTV. We ended up doing Pimp My Ride for six years. Those six years were, I don't know, the happiest years of my life, I can say. You're listening to the California Report magazine. I'm Sasha Coca, And this week, we're bringing you a documentary from reporter Levi Bridges about a man named Mauricio Hernandez, who grew up in Mexico with two dreams. One was to work on cars, and the other was to be on TV. Once Mauricio came to California, both of those dreams actually seemed like they were starting to happen. He was fixing cars for the MTV show Pimp My Ride, which was a really big deal. When this show came out in the early 2000s, it was just the latest incarnation of a California obsession with fixing up cars. From hot rods to low riders, which is a scene I'm familiar with because my partner was a low rider and a mini trucker as a teenager. But the kinds of car projects on Pimp My Ride weren't just about rims and hydraulics and outrageous paint jobs. They really took things to this whole new level, like putting an Xbox or even a jacuzzi in the back of a car. It was a dream come true. But after the pilot episode of Pimp My Ride, Mauricio never appeared on the show again. He was always behind the scenes, working on the cars, not in front of the cameras. Probably I wasn't in Pimp My Ride because most of the show was acting. 
When Mauricio says acting, he means that many of the people who you saw working on the cars weren't necessarily the ones who actually pimped them out. So like, let's say I was sitting in the car and then the camera crew used to come to me and say, hey, stop, stop, can you give this to them and so they can speak on the camera? One of these stand-in workers was named Alex. Now me and Alex are going out and test drive this thing. Alex would take Mauricio's place working on the car. And then the producers would ask him questions. So what are you doing, Alex? Well, I'm sending this car so we can get in ready for paint. Okay, cut. So they used to give me back the, the black and the sandpaper and I used to finish the car. And I felt it like offended. Because first of all, I wasn't getting paid to be on television. I was getting paid to work. And to me, being around the television show, it was a plus in my life. The people they would bring in to say, hey, this is the guy who's sending the car, were they normally white? I can tell you these, they were not Mexican. And so who was really doing the work? Well, most of the guys were Mexicans. At one point, I remember the shop, it was probably like about 80% Mexicans. Mauricio says it was kind of an open secret that some of the guys who helped pimp out the cars were undocumented. He remembers that the people who worked on the show would even joke around with the Mexican mechanics about their immigration status. They used to just scream, just laughing. Hey, la migra, la migra. We used to turn around and say, who cares? One day, someone way more important than La Migra came to West Coast Customs. Hi, this is Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger of the great state of California. At one point, Mauricio says that Schwarzenegger also brought his car to West Coast. It was right after he had just vetoed a bill that would have given undocumented immigrants the right to get a driver's license in California. When Schwarzenegger came to get his car, Mauricio looked over at his boss, Ryan. I remember Ryan telling me, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come and pick up his truck. Ryan, he was a sarcastic man. Ryan's like, you, you, you drive the truck and bring it. And just get out and just give him the keys. And it was funny because like, Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't want to give us a driver's license. And I'm driving his car and I'm giving his car. So <laughs> it was funny. The media and popular culture often portray undocumented immigrants as living in the shadows. But Mauricio says he was right out in the open, driving the car of a Republican governor, who's also an immigrant. Over the years, lots of other celebrities also brought their cars to West Coast. We had cars for Paris Hilton, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Sylvester Stallone, Snoop Dogg. By day, Mauricio was leading a glamorous life, meeting the rich and famous. At work, being undocumented didn't really matter. It's like West Coast Customs was a miniature sort of sanctuary city. But even though Mauricio worked on cars for a living, he never drove a nice one himself. Mauricio worried his car might get impounded if he ever got caught driving without a license. And it wasn't like Mauricio was just rolling around with Snoop Dogg all day. The job was tough, long hours and really hard work for not a lot of money. And Pima, right, most of these cars, of course, were like trash. So Body Shop had three days to finish the car and give it back to them, finish. I remember there were days where we were probably leaving about 2 o'clock a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning and wake up at, at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. And all those long nights in the shop had a serious effect on Mauricio's family. I sacrificed my family. I did sacrifice my kids, but I don't have no regrets because the money that I was making, of course, it was for my kids, for my family, for my house. But his partner 
did not see things the same way. She told me at one point to leave West Coast. Leave it because you don't have a life. You work so many hours. We need you at the house. We need you to be the dad, me the mom, a family. And I didn't listen. Mauricio says he figured he'd get a better job in the future, so he could give his kids the kind of opportunities he never had, like a college education. But in the short term, fixing the cars that Exhibit presented on MTV wasn't always the most glamorous gig in the world. It was a hard job. And how much money were you making? It was 300 a week, I believe so. It was more the experience to be there. It was fun to be at the show. It was fun, but there are signs that West Coast Customs has taken advantage of their workers in the past. In 2014, West Coast paid a settlement to workers after an investigation by the Department of Labor found that the company paid employees less than minimum wage, in addition to other abuses. According to the settlement, West Coast owed the workers thousands of dollars in back pay. I tried reaching out to Mauricio's boss, Ryan Friedlinghaus, a couple of times, but he didn't want to talk for the story. And despite all this, Mauricio didn't see his boss, Ryan, as some cruel tyrant exploiting undocumented immigrants. He was not the romantic, sentimental guy. He always was the mean face, the strong guy. Ryan will always call the shop the war field. The war field? Yeah, the war field. And he used to call us soldiers. And he used to say, well, you're the one of the best of my soldiers. My best soldiers, they always go out on the front. Mauricio says that he and Ryan developed a close relationship. Mauricio was always working late, polishing the cars, making everything look good. And he says, Ryan noticed. Ryan used to invite him in his office to eat with him, with his family, with his kids, with his dad, with his mom. You know, we have the same age, and we were buddies. You were kind of Ryan's right-hand man. Yeah. Even though he always called me his soldier, I know that was more than that. The work that Ryan and Mauricio did on Pimp My Ride had given West Coast Customs national exposure. But a body shop that refurbishes old clunkers? Mauricio says that wasn't what Ryan wanted West Coast to be known for. He wanted to get back to high-end work for L.A. movie stars. West Coast was built up about celebrities. And once we did Pimp My Ride, we were the joke of the celebrities. Ryan decided to leave Pimp My Ride altogether and move to a new state-of-the-art shop in Corona, California, outside LA. Mauricio was one of the first people Ryan approached about the plan. And he told me right away, like, no, you don't have no option, you're coming with me. The idea wasn't just to launch a new shop. Mauricio says, Ryan wanted to start his own TV show about what really went on inside West Coast Customs. That idea actually turned into a real show called Street Customs that aired on TLC and the Discovery Channel. On this episode of Street Customs. My name is Ryan. This is my company. This is my life. And this is Street Customs. Street Customs, it was a really reality show, more than Pima Ride. It wasn't no actors. In other words, no stand-in replacements for the guys working on the cars. Ryan offered Mauricio a spot as one of the main workers who appeared on Street Customs. Ryan saw me like a character, and he did give me a lot of exposure on the show, on TLC. I've always had this thing with Mauricio. He's worked for me almost seven years now. I've always told him, dude, we got to cut your hair, we got to cut your hair. With his signature long dreads and pointy beard, 
Mauricio became one of the show's most recognizable personalities. Ryan, he keeps telling me like, oh, you should cut your hair. He told everybody to put a price on my dress, saying that he will give $100 for each dress that anybody cut. 100 bucks, dog. And this is where Mauricio's childhood dream of fame became a reality. After they started producing street customs, Ryan asked Mauricio to represent West Coast at this really important car show, the SEMA show in Las Vegas. You see these people, and you see everybody start clapping, and they clapping to you, and you're walking through this red carpet, through the stage. I don't know, I felt like I made it. I remember they never stopped clapping. We were recognized as the people that we put the, the automobile industry and television. We were huge. We were artists. We were the best. Mauricio was a main character on the show. He was relatable, cool, the kind of guy you'd want to have show up at your party. Mauricio personified a character on television that served as a bridge that could connect people to the Latino community. And he did this all while he was undocumented. I did live two lives. You know, stuff like, I'm going to get caught. I don't have a license. I had to live with that all the time. And there were always reminders everywhere of what could happen. Sometimes. When you hear the news, when I used to hear that this happened over here. Immigrant communities across the country bracing for an ice crackdown to kick into high The battle between California and the feds over illegal immigration. So that's going on over there. Homeland Security began flying plane loads of illegal immigrants into Southern California. Across Northern California, over a dozen undocumented immigrants are behind bars right now. It was not something that will not let me sleep, but that it was something that you had to live with every day. Mauricio really wanted to find a way to get legal status in the U.S. And eventually, he found one. A wealthy Mexican who had some work done at the shop approached Ryan about buying the rights to open a West Coast Customs franchise in Mexico. Mauricio helped with the negotiations, and the Mexicans had one key condition. He's like, yeah, we're going to buy the franchise, but Mauricio's coming with us because we want him to build the shop. And once it's done, then he comes back. Mauricio was excited about the possibility of going back to Mexico. He was opening a franchise for a company with international recognition. Mauricio felt proud about that. After the two guys from Mexico left, Mauricio sat down with Ryan to hash out the details. I told him after they left, I said, hey dude, but I don't have no papers. How am I gonna come back? He said, I'll bring you back, don't worry. I'll bring you back, I'll pay the coyote, or we find a way to get you a visa so we can get you back. A visa would mean legal status in the U.S. No more sneaking around, always worried about getting deported. So in the winter of 2009, Mauricio said goodbye to his partner and three kids. And he crossed the border from San Diego to Tijuana, the same place where he'd first entered California as a teenager. And then he got on a plane to Mexico City. Mauricio was scared he'd made the wrong choice worried that this whole business venture in Mexico might fail. But he reminded himself that he wouldn't be gone long. Mauricio promised his kids that he'd be back by next Christmas, if not earlier. But Mauricio never returned to the U.S. again. That's reporter Levi Bridges. Next week, he'll bring us part two of the documentary we're calling Mauricio Across 
the border. And we'll hear how desperation leads to a near-death experience for Mauricio. The worst thing that went through my mind, I was like, I'm going to die here and nobody's ever going to find my body. That's next week on the California Report magazine. A version of this story was first produced by the KCRW podcast, Unfictional. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon. Our producer director is Susie Racho. Brendan Willard is our engineer, and our team also includes Amanda Font and Hector Arzate. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 